The reading today can be found on page 1066 of the Pew Bibles, if you want to follow it. The reading is John, chapter 4, verses 4 to 30. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. So what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the truth and in, in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to see him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, 
the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. My niece, my sister's daughter, whose name is Cara, is married to a South African opera singer. His name is Jacques Imbrelo. And they are a young couple with a, a very strong Christian faith. And 15 years ago, Jacques was on the Young Artist Scheme at the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden. And he was interviewed in a magazine at the time, and he said this. If singing music didn't help me to serve God, I would have to give it up. I'd definitely like to be remembered for my faith and helping to bring it to other people. Well, that was some time ago, 15 years ago, and Jacques was interviewed more recently at St. Helen's Bishopsgate, where he used to go to church. And at the, inter- at the end of the interview, Jacques, who's now in his 40s and married with two children, Um, and he's also a well-established baritone and international opera singer, he was reminded what he said when he was in his 20s about giving up singing and asked if he'd say the same thing today. And he smiled rather wryly and uh, uh, hesitated, and it admitted that it wasn't quite as simple as it had been. He now has uh, financial responsibilities to his family and a considerable retirement career and quite a reputation. But he ended by saying this, I am first a Christian, then a husband and father, and then Jacques the opera singer. And I have no doubt that Jacques's commitment to Christ undergirds everything else he does. And I'm going to follow up this theme in our reflection on the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. But earlier on in that interview at St. Helen's Bishopsgate, Jacques said something else that was very relevant to the reading we've just heard. He described a time when he was a student and was living somewhat waywardly. He knew this was wrong and felt very guilty. And he had been going to St. Helen's, but he stopped attending church. And he said that guilt blinds us and separates us from God. Eventually, one of his student colleagues challenged him and said, why aren't you going to church, Jacques? And he said, well, I just, I'm sorry, I don't deserve to be there. And she said, well, that's exactly why you need to come. And she managed to persuade him to go back. And when he went back, the vicar, delighted to see him, said, Jacques, you've been missing for a bit. Um, uh, What's happened? Why haven't you been coming? And Jacques said, well, I'm just sorry. You know, the way I'm living my life, I'm just not good enough. To which the the vicar said, kindly, he said, don't be stupid, Jacques. Go and read Luke 15, which, of course, is the story of the prodigal son. He could have just uh, appropriately have suggested he read the passage that we've heard this morning from John 4. The story of Jesus and the Samaritan women is one of a number of encounters Jesus has with people 
who were rejected or marginalised by their communities or had messy lives. And people like Zacchaeus, the tax collector, those who were afflicted with leprosy, the sick and the paralysed man, the woman who was caught in adultery, and many others. And there's an underlying theme to these exchanges. Jesus tells them, effectively tells them, faith is an all-or-nothing affair. Our commitment to Jesus Christ should be complete. Just as we need water to drink to sustain our lives, so the living water of Christ is essential to our spiritual lives. If we come to realise that Jesus truly is the Son of God, that God gave him to us to show how he intends us, to show us how to live our lives, and that Jesus died for us, for you and for me, then surely our lives can never be the same again. So these readings, these passages in the Bible, these encounters that Jesus has, are about certainty and commitment. But they're also stories about human frailty, stories of vanity, selfishness, and failing to tell us. But, but they, they're stories that, that tell us that no one is excluded from God's extraordinary love. They tell us that those who feel threatened or inadequate or in need will always be as much of God's concern as those who have already given their lives to Jesus Christ. And that however many times we fail, God will never give up hope in us. As I said earlier, Sarah invited me to choose the reading for this morning's service. And I chose the extraordinarily moving and powerful story that we heard because it inspires me as Jesus reaches out to someone whose life was a mess and his invitation to her to give her life to him. And it's amazingly rich and complex passage, but I want to focus on just these two key messages. First, the complete nature of true faith. And secondly, God's invitation to everyone regardless of who they are or what they have done. In our story, Jesus, exhausted after a long journey, came to a well at noon. A woman was at the well drawing water. Collecting water in the midday heat was not usual practice, and the implication being that she was something of an outcast. However, we must be very wary about labelling her or criticising her. It's quite possible that she was a victim, in current day terms, of exploitation and abuse. But there's no doubt that her life was difficult. Jesus immediately broke every rule in the book and asked the woman for a drink. Jewish people didn't share anything with Samaritans, and men wouldn't speak to women in public. And Jesus, Jesus didn't just limit the conversation to asking for water. He began a long discussion that ended up, we imagine, in changing her life forever. At the well, Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman vividly of living water, 
not water to drink, but nevertheless water, so essential to life that we cannot live complete lives without it. And whether it's banter or repartee or simple misunderstanding, we don't know. But the women, the, but the woman cheerily, or rather cheekily, asks Jesus to give her this water to save her having to come to the well ever again. Jesus wasn't swayed and went on to reveal that he knew all the details of her decidedly messy life. And the banter stopped and they began a theological discussion that culminated in Jesus laying down the challenge. The time is coming when those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. The implication being that no half measures are possible. And the woman began to realise that something extraordinary was taking place and ventured, I know that the Messiah is coming. To which Jesus replied, I am he. Something quite amazing had happened. Jesus had chosen deliberately to reveal his identity, which he was very cautious about revealing. He chose to reveal his identity to a Samaritan woman whose life was a shambles. And he made no attempt to hold her back when she rushed off with her story and her revelation. Further on in chapter 4, after the reading we had this morning ends, we're told that many Samaritans from her city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. And so we discover she had effectively in a very short space of time, become a disciple as people believed her story and in turn believed in Jesus. And so our two themes come together. God reaches out to everyone and uses the most unlikely people as his ambassadors and as his messengers. And that is as true today as it was then. He uses me and he uses you. And we know only too well that none of us is perfect. Jesus' message to the woman had an edge to it. The living water promised by Jesus is not to be taken a sip at a time when we feel like it. We have to drink deeply of the living water of faith, never to be thirsty again. At the very end of the story in the Bible of Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan woman, there's a further reminder of the need to come into direct engagement with Jesus. The woman is seen to have achieved the goal of an evangelist, drawing others to no faith for themselves, at which point they say to her, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard it for ourselves, and we know this truly is the saviour of the world. So she had been the catalyst, bringing them to consider who Jesus was. But ultimately, it wasn't her testimony that gave them faith, but it was meeting Jesus for themselves. And that is so true for us. We can listen to other people's stories about beliefs about Jesus Christ. 
And we can believe that what they say appears to make sense and is appealing. But in the end, it has to become our story to tell. I wonder if I asked you to describe some of the most beautiful or moving places that you've ever visited. Well, you could show me pictures and give me elaborate descriptions. For instance, I could tell you, because I've been lucky enough to go there, I could tell you how extraordinarily beautiful the Taj Mahal is. Or in complete contrast, I could describe for you what it feels like to walk through an internally, internally displaced persons camp in Gulu in northern Uganda. But you, most likely, would only be able to fully realise the wonder of the marble embodiment of love that is the Taj Mahal, or only begin to fully understand the desperate gulf between our lives and those who live in war-torn poverty in Africa, you would only truly appreciate it if you went and saw them for yourselves with your own eyes. And so it is with Jesus. We can gain knowledge and then faith from the words of those who believe. We can teach each other and discover God's work through listening and watching what other people do. But ultimately, the message of these stories, of Jesus meeting unlikely people, is that God is coming to each of us directly through Jesus Christ. We meet Jesus in the love we share as a Christian community. We meet him in acts of care and concern, both given and received. We meet him in our labours for the, our church and for our world. We meet him in the word of scripture. We meet him in our private prayers and we meet him in our shared prayers. We meet him in the joy of worship and in the bread and wine of the Holy Sacrament of Communion. Jesus asks for more than passive acceptance. Jesus asks each of us to drink of the living water, to accept that we are truly born again when we come to faith and to know that our lives will actually never ever be the same again. Unlike the Samaritan woman, like me, like Jacques, whose story I told at the start, we don't drink this living water just once. However strong or weak our belief in Jesus, we're invited to drink the living water of faith day by day so that it is a spring bubbling up inside us, constantly refreshing us with new life in Christ and newness to our faith day by day. Because we do try to be Christ-like. That is, of course, our goal. That's our call. Form us in the likeness of Christ is our constant prayer. But we're human, aren't we? We're vain. We're frail. We're self-interested. And we hold strong opinions. But as with the woman at the well, Jesus meets us and offers us living water, as the woman said, 
Come and see the man who told me everything I have ever done. As Jesus knew that Samaritan woman, so God knows us. He knows us completely. But extraordinarily, he also accepts us just as we are. And he loves us. And then he invites us into a relationship with him to ever worship him in spirit and in truth. Most of us, we're just human. We search for peace and purpose in our lives through worldly pursuits, whatever they may be. But so often, despite our endeavours, we look for something more. We don't find that deep satisfaction, that symmetry, that sense of rightness. This is what I'm here on earth for. It's not always easy. We make mistakes and can be disappointed in ourselves and we can be disappointed in other people. But the purpose of the living water is not to drown us in the depths of our failings, constantly struggling to stay afloat, weighed down by our shortcomings. It's to remind us just how much we are loved by God, so much that we see Christ crucified. Living water constantly refreshes our faith so that we can properly share in God's purposes for us and for our world with that extraordinary promise of eternal life in God's outstretched arms. Loving God, you know everything we have ever done. Give us the bravery of the Samaritan woman to accept your unconditional love and to drink the living water of faith. Day by day, may we quench our thirst by turning to Christ and following in his steps, which lead us to everlasting life. Amen.